0: Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? Hi, everybody. Spring has sprung. (laughs) I don't know why I felt like saying that, but I did. Um, My life is certainly propelling me forward. I don't know how else to put it. I am just moving through it, going through it. The only way through it is through it. And that is essentially what we're doing right now. The good news is that we are not flailing most days. (laughs) I like to keep it relatable and 100 with you guys. I was actually just listening to... Jackie's my friend Jackie from the bitch Bible her podcast and I was crying laughing and I don't remember the last time I laughed like that but I I needed that it was good for the soul so it's May. It is the first Monday of the month, which is our Q&A episode. You guys submitted tons of great questions and I cannot wait to dive in. Um, but first, before we do anything, I want to do an intuitive tarot card poll. Not a tarot card. I'm going to do an oracle card. Tarot cards too much. Then you need like more clarity, more clarity, more clarity. So we're just going to do a oracle card because. I fucking feel like it. The deck that I'm using is called Healing with Angels or Oracle Cards. And I love this deck. So let's see. I feel like I'm just going to do a shuffle and see like which one flies out. And then I'll let you guys know what my intuitive message is for you guys. Oh my gosh. The two that came forward were answered prayers and divine guidance. Wow. I love this for us. Okay. So answered prayers. I'm going to read what's in the book. This card means fear not, beloved one, your prayers have been heard and answered. All of your prayers are always answered. Sometimes you may not feel this way because the answer comes in unexpected ways. Perhaps you receive an intuitive feeling or a new opportunity appears or a book falls off the shelf. The angels answer our prayers very often by giving us ideas or information in those everyday ways. By drawing this card, the angels request that you be extra observant. Notice everything that you hear, say, think, and feel. Be especially alert to help that comes to you and be sure to accept that help. You do deserve assistance. And many times, God and the angels enlist people to act as earth angels who bring you the answers to your prayers. I love that. Then the other one was divine guidance. Trust and follow your intuition. It is God and the angels speaking to you. You are being divinely guided right now. That gut feeling that you have, the knowingness, the vision, or the inner voice are all trying to tell you something. And it is very important that you trust and follow your guidance. If you draw more than one card, pay close attention to the cards that are on either side of divine guidance. They contain important instructions for you these nearby cards feature facets of this message that the angels seek to impress upon you. So answered prayer and divine guidance are supposed to go together hand in hand. I love that. I have been doing so much spiritual healing lately and I actually had, I'll share this with you guys, even though I wasn't planning on it, I had the most incredible reading done the other day. I don't know why I felt called to do a reading with a medium, but I did. And I'm so, so glad that I went and saw her. But immediately when we started the reading, She was like, okay, there's a female presence. It definitely feels like your maternal grandmother who I know is one of my guides because I communicate with her on a regular basis. And she goes, it's so interesting because she really wants me to show you this book. And this woman was in her office and she had like a whole wall full of books. And she goes, she just, she needs me to show you (laughs) this book. And she pulls out this book that I keep on my bedside that I read every day. And it's called 365 Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes. Not a well-known book. I don't think any of you have probably heard of it. But I was just floored. And the messaging that I got was so profound. I mean, clear as day. Couldn't have been anyone else. And the biggest takeaway was that you need to follow your heart. But it's time to like trust your heart and to lead with love. So that leads me to this very moment where we're gonna talk about my love life because that was like the biggest question that you guys had on um, Instagram for me was, can we get an update on your love life? Because I had happened to mention that I had been dating someone since early December. and I kept him, yes, it's a man a secret from all of you all this time. And part of that is because the person that I'm dating is just a really private person. And part of that is because I really like this person a lot. And that's not to say that I didn't like Chris a lot. Chris was like really okay with me, you know, sharing that we were together publicly. But Yeah, I, it's weird because I never thought that I would date a man again. And yet here I am. And I think the other reason why I've kind of kept this from everyone was because I didn't really want to deal with all the naysayers that (laughs) we're going to say, see, I told you so, or, oh my God, you said this or whatever it might be. At the end of the day, I have to follow my heart. That was my message from my grandma. So we're, we're going with this and we're following our heart and, and we're doing what makes us happy. I think the theme of my life in the last year has been live your life for you. There's no need to live your life for anyone else. I don't, I mean, I love you guys. I love my community. And at the end of the day, I'm going to choose myself and my happiness and my peace and what I want over anything else, because this is my life and we're gifted with this experience and we have to make of it what we make of it. And I will say that while every move I've made has certainly not always been intentional, right? (laughs) Or well thought out. I don't have any regrets. I really don't. And I know that I joke all the time that like my life is chaotic. It it is chaotic, but in the best way. And it's not chaotic like it's unfolding or like I'm gonna relapse or anything like that. It's just it's a little wild and there's nothing wrong with that. So, let's talk about how I met this person. A couple of podcast episodes back, I talked about how I wanted to find a guy that I could basically like have this BDSM experience with mm-hmm. and on the hunt for that guy, I had to match with a ton of men to find that one person who is down to have that experience. If you did not hear this story yet, you can go back a couple of episodes and listen to it. Also coming up on the bitch Bible on Jackie's podcast, I went into like the rated R, almost rated X. Actually it was rated X (laughs) description of everything that happened. But essentially like I had this fantasy and I wanted to go and explore it. And I thought, oh, fuck it. Why not? And so I did. No regrets. And based on society's beauty standards, we could say that all of these men were gorgeous. (laughs) And they were. And so I had taken a screenshot and I sent them to my best gay friend, Jeff. And I was like, Jeff, look at all of these guys. And Jeff was like, oh, my God, that guy. I know that guy. And you absolutely have to go on a date with him. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Like, not really looking for that. Not not interested. And Jeff was like, please, will you just go out with him at one time? And I was like, "Mm, Okay, fine. And so I went out with him one time. And that night I was like, I'm fucked. I am fucked. This human is an amazing human. And I like totally fell head over heels for his soul and his heart and how much we had in common and how grounding he was and what a good listener he was and how thoughtful he was and all of the things. So we begin dating and what a whirlwind. Those I I don't even know how this man stayed with me because I went into it and, you know, told him on the first night that I had both a girlfriend, which I didn't have a week later, and a husband, right? And he was just kind of like, okay, you know, he's kind of a Midwestern type of guy. Like, I don't think he's at all... Polly, which we'll talk about monogamy and non-monogamy in a second, because that was a follow-up question that you all had for me. But we ended up connecting so deeply, and it was just this really beautiful connection. And then a week later, things ended with Chris. Three weeks after that, the big, huge blow-up event happened between Evan and I, and my whole world kind of fell apart really quickly and I am so grateful for his presence in my life because honestly, it's, it's, it's not that like he's making it better. He actually has super firm boundaries that he doesn't want to hear the details of everything that's gone on between Evan and myself which is great. You know, he's like, at the end of the day, that's your, the father of your children. And we might meet and I just really don't want to be involved in the drama, which is refreshing. I will say this, that he's in recovery too, and he works a really strong program. And that's been really nice too, because I kind of miss that, you know, when Evan and I started dating he was in program and so was I and then he eventually left and then I kind of followed a couple of years later and then eventually made my way back into fellowship and it's just been really nice being with someone who lives in solution and for the people who know what that's like you know how good it is it is so good But yeah, everything kind of fell apart. And while I'll say that it's not like I'm avoiding like using him as an escape, but it is really nice to have had such a wonderful partner during this time. And it's lessened the blow for sure. So this huge thing blew up in December and I was really kind of in this limbo state where I was like I don't know if my marriage is gonna work out but I'd like to keep you know dating you and yeah so now here we are like five months into dating and he's been really great with (laughs) this whole situation and just such a sweetheart And I don't know what else to say besides that. We're just kind of going with the flow for right now. And it feels really good. There is nothing that I love more than coming home, getting into a comfy pair of pajamas, and crawling in to my big bed and watching a TV show. It is my favorite thing in the whole world. And what's even better is when I do it, in my cozy earth. Cozy earth makes the best comfortable loungewear and bedding that you guys are going to be obsessed with. They developed and crafted high quality goods with responsible and sustainably sourced materials from the earth. So you can get that restorative sleep that you need to curate your sanctuary and recharge from the comfort of your home. Cozy earth is literally softer than cotton. The fabric is next level, you guys. It is made from soft and sustainable viscose from bamboo fabrics. Cozy Earth is temperature regulating, which means that it will keep you cool and comfortable all night long. And they've been featured on Oprah's favorite list for four years in a row. So, you know, this is the good stuff. They also have a 10-year warranty on all of their products and a 100-night sleep test. That means that you can try it for 100 nights. And if you don't love it, you can send it back and get a full refund. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today. Get 30% off site-wide when you use the code REALITY. So that's CozyEarth, cozyeart com using code REALITY at checkout. Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Rothy's. The other day on my Instagram stories, as I was walking Harper to school, I showed you guys my new pair of white sneakers from Rothy's. They are so cute, super chic. And the best part is the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. I kid you not. I get sent products all the time. And when I put these shoes on, I was like, I need five pairs. Like, that's it. That's it. Golden Goose who? I don't know. I need these shoes. And you guys are going to love Rothy's too. Rothy's are the perfect shoes for commuting and traveling Everyone notices them. They're known for their chic pointed toe flats, but that's just the beginning. They have tons of iconic head turning designs and bright but sophisticated colors. Their ballet flats are so cute. And honestly, you could dress them up. You can dress them down wear them with yoga pants or for a night out. They're insanely comfortable. They almost feel like a slipper and as soon as you take your first step you think, "Ah, oh, that's more like it." And Rothys takes sustainability to the next level. All of their products are knit with threads made from plastic water bottles they've repurposed around 125 million water bottles so far. They're sustainable, they're chic, and they're comfortable. Rothy's even makes shoes for men and accessories too. Your new favorite shoes are waiting. Discover the versatile styles that you can wear absolutely anywhere and get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash reality. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash reality for $20 off your first order. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzler and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out. All right, let's move on from my relationships up. Oh, actually, so we've got to address the whole monogamy thing. So like I said, that partner is not really into the whole open dynamic. It's not something that they've done before. And so, you know... Right now, I don't really have the space to date multiple people. I just don't, especially now, you know, single mom life, having the kids most of the time, it's just not something that's doable for me. And so, you know, right now I'm focusing just on this one relationship, but I don't know what the future will hold or or like how we'll end up structuring this whole thing. So yeah. Okay, next question came from Miss Jules, and she also wrote this in the Facebook group. If you're not in the Facebook group, go on over there. It's an awesome group. I already answered this there, but I'll answer it here too because it's a good one. How do we heal our nervous systems from PTSD? So I am certainly not an expert when it comes to this I can just simply share like my personal experience and my experience is this that it's a journey and it was a combination of things that worked for me. I've shared with you guys one of the most helpful things, which is cold exposure therapy. I've, I've shared that a lot on my Instagram because it is one of the like foundational and fundamental things that I use to heal my nervous system. If you look up ice baths, DBT, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, it can give you a full breakdown on the internet on like how it helps you calm your nervous system. But for me, I'm so obsessed with dunking my face in ice water now and cold exposure therapy that I literally carry around the ice packs in my purse that you can squeeze and they turn into ice and I'll put them on my face or on my chest whenever I'm feeling not grounded or anxious. You know, my nervous system is certainly feeling pretty fried right now, given everything that I've been going through. And so doing the ice baths on my face, taking cold showers, those things really help a lot. Then the second thing is reparenting or IFS. I believe I mentioned the book, No Bad Parts. And if you want to go back and learn more about like the... IFS program you can listen to the last episode with my mom uh, which was a couple of weeks ago and IFS has been huge for me in healing my nervous system and so super super helpful. I love emotional freedom technique tapping EFT. It's something that I've been using for years And you can look up more about that online. These are just helpful things that I've used that have changed my life and that really do work. So yeah, cold exposure therapy, IFS and reparenting work. The book is No Bad Parts and emotional freedom technique, tapping, and of course, meditation. I think I've talked about this so many times on the podcast, like the fundamentals for my overall well-being and how it really is kind of like a preventative. And so getting outside in sunlight, eating a pretty well-balanced, healthy diet and regular exercise keep my nervous system and my mental health and of course sleep in such a good place. When I'm not doing one of those things, it fucks me up bad. I absolutely have to do those essential things in order to feel good. Okay. Next question is from Recovery. That's a cool screen name. What's kept you sober throughout your breakup or any other rough patch? I I just know that getting loaded would ruin everything. <laughs> I just really, really know that. That getting loaded is not the answer. And I couldn't be more clear on that. Like I just, I just know for me that getting loaded is not the answer. And the desire to check out comes up every once in a while, but it, it's pretty rare. You know, for the most part, I don't seek to like escape my reality or my existence. Like I'd rather be in it and I'd rather go through it. And, you know, it, it is hard. It is painful. And I just know from experience that sitting in that pain and sitting in that discomfort eventually brings forth incredible lessons that you didn't know you needed. And the answers are always there if we can use the tools and and sit in that discomfort. And so, yeah, it was about two years into my recovery that that desire to get loaded all the time kind of left. And it just hasn't come back. Oh, this is a good one. What's the best way to get rid of abandonment, fear, and anxiety after fighting with your spouse? I love that. (laughs) That's a great question. So I think the first thing that we can do is turn to our breath. Oh, I didn't talk about breath work. I wanted to share this with you guys. The current person that I've been dating like kept recommending that I go and do breath work. And I don't know why I hadn't done this before, but I went and did a breath work class on Saturday and it was honestly life-changing. The things that were revealed were so profound. It was really hard and really difficult to get through, but absolutely just life-changing for me. It was absolutely life-changing for me. And so when we're in stressful situations, if we can first go to our breath, even if you're not a breathwork aficionado, taking a deep breath, getting grounded always really helps. And then this is kind of where I love the IFS work. You know, I was doing internal family systems before I even knew what internal family systems was. (laughs) And basically all it is, is this. It's recognizing that we have various parts inside of us that get triggered, right? And so say you get into an argument with your partner and this person's talking about abandonment wounds so you get into an argument with your partner and you're afraid that they're going to leave and what it is is there's probably a little person inside of you that never got acknowledged or addressed or healed that was really triggered when something happened in your early childhood and has been just kind of living inside of you as a wounded part or a protector part since you were really little and so we're not able to really be rational in those moments. Instead, we either, you know, turn into to fighting, right? We want to fight or we want to flight. We want to run, right? Or we might want to fawn, meaning we want to just shut down emotionally. And so we can easily feel that come up, any of those things, and... It can turn into anxiety or depression or sadness or anger or rage or any of these emotions can come up. And so after you get grounded, I like to do a little meditation when I'm alone. And what I realize is like, I don't actually like to go, if I can avoid trying to fix it right away, it ends up working out better. And I know that it's really uncomfortable to wait and to not fix it. And instead to kind of like sit in the discomfort of it. But again, like I was saying before, like the, this pain that's coming forward or discomfort is here to teach us something. And so we get to get really quiet and we get to take a deep breath and we get to get really clear, um, on who we are today. Right. So, I call it my uppercase S self, my higher self, my higher consciousness, spiritual self, whatever you want to call it. I make sure that my inner parts know that like that I'm there and that I'm present for them. Like the Alexis today is here for them. And I'll go inside and I'll say, "Okay, what part is present right now? And so say it was that anxiety that came forward, that abandonment wound presented itself. And let's just say that she told me that everyone always leaves and that no one cares about her, that she's not lovable or wanted and that, you know, we've seen this happen before and it's probably going to happen again again. And that she's really scared to be alone because she doesn't feel capable. These are things that my parts have literally told me when I went inward and was going through all those abandonment stuff. I've been dealing with so much of my abandonment wounds, like so, so much. And so, yeah, it's like these wounds, they have messages for us. So I'm using my uppercase S self to talk to this wounded part. And I'll ask questions like, how old are you? And when was the first time that you thought these things? What happened? And I'll start kind of working through it. And as I'm working through it, I literally feel like releases in my body happening. like full-blown like just it feels like things are getting unlocked and moved through me because trauma gets stored in our body great book on that is the body keeps score highly suggest and recommend that book to anybody and everybody but yeah so I'll have this conversation with her and I'll ask her what does she need what does she need me to know what did she need back then Can I give that to her? And I also ask her, you know, if I could take away this burden from her, what would she do instead? You know, how would she show up in my life instead? Because what's so interesting is these parts. This is our inner dialogue that's going on in our head all day long, (laughs) literally all day long. And so when we unburden these parts and just allow them to heal and set them free, that voice stops, that inner voice stops and our nervous systems and our bodies begin to calm down. So after I've gone and done this work and calmed myself down and all of the things, then I'll get really clear on like, what's my part in this and what's my partner's part and what do I need And is this ask reasonable or is it not? AKA, am I asking this person to try and fix me and to calm down my nervous system or am I doing that first? And then I can go and have a healthy conversation and use tools like the three C's that my mom and I teach or offer an apology, if that makes sense. Next question Do I get mom guilt? Absolutely. I'm so hard on myself as a mom. And um the message that I got in that reading with that medium too was stop being so hard on yourself. I am so tough on myself. It's like unreal. And I, I put Harper in therapy when all of this happened. Sure that I was damaging her for life, that this was the end of the world and that I had ruined her, right? And so I went to this incredible child psychologist who specializes in um, play therapy and Harper had her first couple of sessions. And, you know, the therapist was basically like, she's okay. And I was like, are you sure? Cause I don't, I don't think she is like, there's gotta be something wrong. <laughs> I have to have fucked her up. And the therapist was like, no, actually she's a very, very healthy, mature emotionally intelligent, well-rounded, beautiful young lady. She makes eye contact. She speaks clearly. She's thriving in school. She's got a great group of friends. You've done an excellent job. She's going to make it through this. Yes, this is challenging. Absolutely. But she has a good team around her and parents who are allowing her to express herself and yada, yada, yada. But I still, yeah, of course I have mom guilt. I think we all do. And I can't tell you when I was just starting this podcast, writing my book, and really in the midst of like a deep mental health struggle. So I was working so hard. I had a nanny for the first time. Prior to that, I had just been a stay-at-home mom. And I remember my kids crying because I was just working so much. And oh, the guilt of all of that just like ate me alive. It was so challenging. And so, yeah, we all have mom guilt. And I also think it's just like a societal thing, right? The messages that we get that like, we'll never be enough and that we aren't doing enough. And I think, I, I think back to my childhood and <laughs> no offense to my mother, she knows that she was a shitty mom. But I also think part of it was like, a part of that time, like you got home from school and your parents were like, get the fuck out of here until dinner time. Don't come back for like several hours. Right. And now you're expected to like, you know, do attachment parenting and don't let your kids cry it out and, you know, baby wear and exclusively breastfeed and all of these messages that we get. And it's just too much. I think we have to prioritize our mental health as mothers first and foremost. So let go of that mom guilt and look up this theory. I forget where I read this article, but it was about this, this theory and therapy called the good enough mother and the good enough parent. And that's all we have to be as a good enough parent. Okay. This is a good one. Can I share more about re-engaging in 12-step programs? And the answer is yes. (laughs) I had not been to meetings in years. I've talked about why on the podcast several times, so I'll spare you guys that. But the beginning of the pandemic, I started going back to Zoom AA meetings really because it was like I needed community. And I always talk about how we heal in communion with one another. And I needed, I needed community. I needed friendship. I needed to feel connected in a time where we all felt so disconnected. And so, I rejoined a twelve-step group, and in it was this incredible woman, Peggy. And I would hear Peggy speak all the time, and she was just such a bright light in the group. And she was also involved in OA and Al-Anon, and she would talk all the time about being a double winner and how amazing it was. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I had been, I had gone to like Alateen for years. And so I was familiar with like Al-Anon's work. And I went to Al-Anon in the earlier years of my sobriety, uh, but I had not worked Al-Anon 12 steps before. And then when this whole thing happened in December, I had already began working with Peggy regarding my food stuff and kind of starting to like dabble into OA and reworking the steps with her in that way. And I hit a bottom when all of this transpired, an emotional bottom that was so fucking painful, so incredibly painful that I never, I, I, yeah, that pain was unimaginable. And I I was just desperate. And so I called Peggy and I said, Peggy, I think I'm a love addict. I'm a codependent. I know this. And it's been ruining my fucking life (laughs) for a long time now. And again, it's just an opportunity to like deepen the work once again And so uh, we began working the steps and taking a deep dive into some patterns of uh, behavior that were really unhealthy. And I'm so grateful for her because she just, again, I've been hearing these things since I was a teenager going to Alateen with an alcoholic father. It's not things that are new, but It's like I had to apply them to my life. I really did. And I really needed to have the accountability of a sponsor who's going to like check my ass on a regular basis and remind me that like Evan's not my God. Evan's not my God. And that I have to do, I have to go to God, to my higher power and ask for direction. And I have to take care of myself. And that was so hard for me to do because I am a people pleaser. I am, you know, even after all of these years of work, it's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm a people pleasing monster and it drives me to the brink of insanity. So I I had done a lot of work around the love addiction piece before, and this just made me, it made me want to dive, dive back in and work the steps again. And, and just know that living in steps one, two, and three, I mean, doing an inventory feels great, like purging, getting everything pen to paper. Of course, that feels amazing. But I've spent the last five months really living in steps one, two, and three for people who don't know what they are. It's one, you know, admitting that we're powerless pretty much over everything. And you know, that when we try to control everything, our lives become unmanageable Two, we come to believe in a higher power or like figure out what our higher power could be and take a deep dive into like our biases around God and our fears around like letting God step in. And three, like living in a place of surrender. And that has got me so far really has. It's given me so much peace, so much serenity. So grateful for my sponsor. I need support. I mean, my ego wants me to believe that I can handle all of this shit. It's not true. Can't do it. Need, need, need the support of the incredible women in in my groups that have literally carried me through the last five months. All right. One last question. I had shared on my Instagram that I did this thing called an SGB block, stellate ganglion block, and everyone's asking me, was it worth it? So this is a new ish. Yeah, newish. It's been around for about ten years. Technology for CPTSD and PTSD. And it's a it's a nerve block in your spine. They go through your neck. And they discovered it for, they had a bunch of vets that had chronic pain. And after they got the, the block, they reported that their PTSD symptoms started to go away too. What they realized was that in this, this space in, in your spinal column, basically it's in the spot of your brain that gets like heightened from CPSD, like chronically triggered, right? And so by doing this nerve block, it it encouraged everything to calm down. And by proxy, like the insomnia, the anxious thoughts, the intrusive thoughts, the worry, all of that stuff began to calm down. So I am now about a month out from my second treatment. And I would say that absolutely I feel a difference. I think it's an incredible treatment. I will happily be your guys' guinea pig for all of these things because I've tried it all. You know, neurofeedback, transcranial magnetic stimulation, aka TMS, stellate ganglion blocks. Your girl will try it all. I really will. I would say that it was worth it. I definitely have noticed improvements in my sleep, improvements in my my thought patterns. My mind feels calmer. I didn't notice such a big shift after my first side. It wasn't until I did my other side that I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That's what it feels like to be uh, normal. And so if you're interested in doing this, they have centers all over and you can go to StellaCenter.com. That's who I used. They were so accommodating. They were so sweet. They followed up. um, Super professional. You can either stay awake or they'll put you under a quick sedation if you're a baby like I am. I I thought I was going to do it awake. They rolled me into the back and into the operating room and my heart rate was so high. They did put an IV in me in the beginning just as like a, you know, in case anything happened And I literally rolled into the OR and I was like, "Mm, nope, just put me to sleep. Just propofol, night, night, good night. We're going to bed. And so I'm glad that I did that there really weren't any side effects after the procedure for about six hours. It's like a little bit hard to swallow. It can kind of seem like you have a stroke on like one side of your face, whatever side you had the procedure on. You might get like a heavy droopy eye and mouth for like a couple of hours. And it makes it hard to like talk, drink, eat, You get a little hoarse voice. But literally within a few hours, you start to feel it wear off and then it's over. And you feel good. So if you have PTSD or CPTSD, why not? Honestly, we shouldn't have to suffer. I know they have payment plans. It wasn't super expensive. Unfortunately, insurance doesn't cover it. I think it was about, you can do one side. I think both sides were about $2,500. Yeah, somewhere around there. But anyway, it's StellaCenter.com. And yeah wow I had so many references for you guys today but yeah I am sending you all so much love I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and week and with that here is this week's affirmation this week's affirmation is I am right where I need to be and so it is If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, RecoveringFromReality.com.